Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the podcast host voted most likely to have her own nuclear bunker, Mars. Hello. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about a movie, uh, a little movie called The Divide, which was a Mars pick this time around, and uh, Michael Bean has a bunker. So you are the Michael Bean of this of this podcast. How does that make you feel? Mm, I mean, on the prepared side, great. On the on the, I don't like to. I don't want to draw parallels between my my personality. And <laughs> Wise choice. Well, I, you know, and I like. I started out being like, "Oh, this is going to be like the gruff old loner who just doesn't know how to talk to people." And then, like six ooh, minutes later, and I was ooh, like, "Oh yeah, no, he's an actual just shitbag." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's just actually awful. Never mind. Yeah, it hurt my heart because I have such a deep, deep love of Hicks. To see Hicks reduced to racist Fox viewer, I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, he was pretty strongly awful. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm. not many in this movie were not, so. True. Hey everybody, Rachel here, just cutting in for a quick second. I want to give you a quick little heads up about the conversation we're about to have. This was originally recorded before the lockdown began, little peek behind the curtain here. And so we're going to be talking about all the fun things that we're out about doing in the world. And I just want to let you know that this was before lockdown so don't worry we're very safely sequestered at home and while we're on the subject of content warnings i might as well just give you a big content warning now that this episode deals heavily in sexual assault so if that is a trigger for you this is your time to bow out we'll see you in two weeks with our next review thanks so much for listening back to our original programming so how have you been i have been good how about you Oh, yeah, I've been really good. Oh, we did another escape room, which was Ooh. hella fun. It was, was actually... it the all darkness one? No, I still haven't uh, done that one. I want to do that one. But I would like... do that one. You would? Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to recruit people to do it because I only specific people are going to want to do it. And, and I'm terrified. It. It's also ter- horror themed, I found out. I'm terrified of the dark. Oh, yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Like, I'm in my 30s and I sleep with the light on, like the TV or something, because full darkness. I mean, I also, like have sleep paralysis issues so you know yeah that's... yeah you have valid reasons to be afraid of the dark. i'm actually terrified of the dark as well and i also sleep with the tv on but i there's something about like i mean i'd be with friends so i'd feel pretty right. safe but it's supposed to be pretty creepy and it's at, it was at the same place we thought it was gonna be indiana jones themed but it wasn't it was chinese temple and it was it was awesome though it was really really fun it was probably the best themed and atmospheric escape room we've done even to get into the room you had to climb up these steps and climb through this door that looked it didn't look like a regular door it like kind of already had the theme to it and then yeah and then you climb down into the room and there's all these hallways and then the end of the puzzle was amazing it's kind of a spoiler but i don't care the, we had to solve this board game and after we that opened um they, it turned out it was a panel that opened up and you had to crawl through it or climb through it and behind it was this altar with a skull on it and drums all around the skull and so one person had to drop bells down the mouth of the skull and it would like initiate this fight with the dark demon or whatever and you'd have to like you'd have to drum a certain beat oh my god the lights would show you which drums to do and you had to do it three times successfully out of four to defeat the darkness and win oh that's so cool yeah at one point you had to crawl down into this well it was crazy it was the most like i said like the most like sort of atmospheric and advanced escape room we've ever done 
And we solved it. Oh, nice. The first time ever we successfully solved the room. Yeah. Because I've only done one and we did not. No, no, no. Not even close. No, 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 no. I don't even know if we made it to the last room in time. We didn't even. The one time when I, that one time I went. Yeah. The one that I've done. We didn't even make it. But they're so much fun. You know what I think it is? I love a puzzle, but they're also the one time it's sort of okay to play as an adult. Yeah. Make-believe is something, as a kid, you just naturally do it, and it's expected, and it's fine. And I don't know that you get to... You can play video games and board games and stuff as an adult, but you don't get to, like, physically play that much. I think about that all the time, where I'm right? like, if you saw, like, a four-year-old just running for no reason in a park or a backyard or something, you'd be like, oh, look, a kid's playing. But if you saw an adult doing that, you'd be like, oh, we need to report Like, them. you'd be like, get down on the ground, somebody, yeah. we got an active shooter. Right? <laughs> or even if you just, like, looked out your window and saw someone just running circles in their backyard, like an adult yeah. someone, you'd be like, oh, good, so we live next to a psychopath. But it's like, you know, you were any kid and it was just fun to just run for no yeah. reason you're like oh yeah. my god the wind i'm like the wind you know whatever and now if you as an adult you know or like if you had a bunch of friends over and you're like oh do you want to play tag like most adults would not want no you'd be like who's this fucking weirdo who invited this weirdo nobody wants yeah. to play tag or but like, then, but we kind of do want to play tag like in well, our arts yeah. i lived with roommates once where for some reason, whenever we got drunk, like, inner child came out, and we'd be like, oh my god, we're building a pillow fort, and then we would just yeah, drink in the pillow that. fort. That's great! I it was so like... much fun! Yes, why don't we play more? Or and... we'd play, we... I used to uh, I used to make them play Apocalypse with me, where we'd build a pillow fort, and then we weren't allowed to use electricity. Oh, so... <laughs> that sounds great! Yeah, it was so much fun! The only electricity we were allowed to use was the fridge to keep alcohol no, no, cold. Well, obviously. But, like, we had to, like, you know, flashlight use the bathroom and stuff like that. And we didn't, we wouldn't like watch a movie or whatever. Like, we'd actually like hang out and pretend to play the apocalypse. I love that. I mean, we were real, real whiskey drunk, but it was yeah, so much so? fun. But yeah, exactly. So I feel like we should encourage adult playing more. I feel like life would be more joyful if we could just play a little bit. Right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I fucking hate dodgeball, but I get it why people join adult yeah. dodgeball leagues because, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it's playing again. It's, I miss exactly. swings. I miss right? being able to go on swings without grown-ups being like, um, ma'am, you're not here with a child. Yeah, right? You're just the creep on the on the playground. <laughs> right? <laughs> Swinging alone. Because remember when you were a kid, like, nothing was creepier than an adult would, like, by themselves on the <laughs> right? playground, right? And, and now then, you would be that adult. <laughs> I know, there's a playground, like, there's a park within walking distance of my house and like i went there and i was like i'm gonna get on the swings and i took like two swings before a kid showed up and i was like whoop and now i'm gonna get the cops called on me bye yep. that sucks we should be able to play more i know well and then i looked even sketchier because i like slowly walked up to the swing like do i have the balls for this and then like two two <laughs> swings and as soon as a kid showed up like jumped off and ran right <laughs> while trying to look casual Ugh. like running with your hands in your pockets like nope 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 yeah yeah but yeah, so Escape Room, next time you're here, we're definitely doing it. So I know, I remember when they first started popping up and it was like you had to drive out way into the weird middle nowhere warehouse yeah. district to find it. I mean, it. that's still true. That Almost that's part of the fun of it though, right? Like, I remember the one we went to didn't yeah. even have a sign out front. No. We just walked in. <laughs> that was the first puzzle. <laughs> we walked in because it was the only one that looked like it might have a light on somewhere yeah! in the building. <laughs> Exactly. And we're like, we are either walking into our scheduled escape room, or we are going to walk in on someone who's cutting cocaine, and then we'll all get kidnapped. So either way, I guess we're escaping a room tonight. 
<laughs> but yeah, so that's what I've been up to. So what do you say? You ready to talk about this Divide movie for warmed up? Uh, speaking of trying to escape rooms. Right? This is the worst room escape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's about to get dark, folks. It's about to get real dark up in here. <laughs> I apologize in advance. I felt like it was such an innocent choice when I picked it because I was like, oh, you know, the cover looks kind of dumb and I like the apocalypse and like trapped in a basement with strangers. Mm-hmm. And because the cover reminded me of like, I don't, I could I was trying to place it. Some, one of those like dumb, like teen slasher type mm. movies, like Stay Alive. Oh, or it totally like that. looks like one of those, like a, right? Like a urban legend. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> what I was picturing. So I was like, oh yeah, this will probably be kind of dumb. Maybe it'll right? have some good mo- moments, you know, but I did choose Truth or Dare, so really, you know, I'm kind of on brand, and it was... I mean, she also looks like she would be in one of those 2000 oh, yeah. sort of ensemble horror movies with David Boreanaz and the <laughs> Noxzema girl, you know what I mean? Like, she would blend, you know? Right? <laughs> so I, I can, can, like, picture her in a library getting slowly more and more horrified as she flips through old film, like, right? old newspaper Like the films. microfish thing. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> This was your pick. Tell me a little bit about how and why you selected this little film. Because I thought it was going to be very different than what it was. Oh. I thought it was going to be very much, much more innocent. I thought it was just going to be like a kind of dumb, like, oh, people are trapped in a basement. It's the apocalypse. We're all sad and dirty. But it was. I mean, you were right about being sad and dirty. <laughs> yeah. And they are trapped in a basement. I didn't think it was going to be as graphic. You weren't expecting a can of beans for lube? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> That's why now, now does my laughing at the end of the last episode make more sense? Yep. <laughs> so it was something that I picked on my Amazon Prime list, and it was yeah. just kind of there. And then it came up, and I was it was going to be my turn to pick a movie. And I was like, well, I'll just save this and do this one. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that I never I, – I remember when it came out, and I read reviews about it, and I knew things about it. But I was like, I'll never watch that movie. It's not for me. I'm too soft. So I'm really glad you picked it because I never would have seen it otherwise. So it was kind of one of those things where when you said it, I was like, okay, I guess I'm telling you myself to do something I would not have done. So it was kind of, I was kind of excited to check it out for the first time. And what's funny is I was watching it and I like, and after, after I'd picked it and you'd said all the things that you said to me about it and I was starting it and I was like, okay, so now going into it, I know it's going to be more intense than I anticipated. And then it wasn't, it didn't even, it hadn't even like ramped up all the way yet. It was just starting to get there, and I was like, and Rachel was worried I was going to pick Saw. <laughs> Man, I really doubled down on this, didn't is this, I? <laughs> is this more intense than Saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe I need to suck it up and watch Saw. Well, now you do, because you've seen something that is so much worse than Saw. Really? Oh, yeah. I really am dead inside. Saw will be nothing to really? you now. <laughs> Yeah. Saw is always, like, those torture movies are the things I'm always terrified to watch. Like, I just, I'm like, they're not for me. I can't, I can't handle that. But, I mean, if, there was definitely parts of this movie that I watched through my finger. At one point, I was sewing while I watched this, and I was, I mean, I was, I was right in front of the TV, so I was watching. But there's one point, and we'll get to it, where, like, I, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was doing it. I grabbed my phone off the table and just held it in front of the TV. Because <laughs> 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 I, I couldn't, I, like, listened, and then I started watching it. I have a glass top TV for people at home who have not been in my living room. And so I started watching the reflection of the movie on my <laughs> TV. <laughs> but I did it. I watched it. I made it through. <laughs> 
but yeah. So this will be fun. I'm excited to talk about this. So this is from 2011. It's directed by Xavier Jens, who he is one of the directors that is known for being a part of the French extreme horror movement that included movies like Inside and Martyrs and Frontiers, one of his previous films that is one of the movies that is often credited as being one of the earlier French extreme movies, uh, at least ones that I first started hearing about. This is his second English language film after the Hitman movie, which is about the video game of the same name. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So this was definitely his a more return to horror. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Hitman. wow, am I also very mistaken about what Hitman is about? <laughs> I mean, now I kind of am curious to see it. To be <laughs> right? honest, like, I, I've never seen Frontiers. When there's a movie that's too violent for me, I read everything about it because I want to know, but I'm too scared to watch it. So, like, I know about it, but I've never made myself watch it and now i'm kind of tempted to do it and it's on amazon prime so (laughs) it may happen my friend i might i might also okay Uh (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna go like challenge ourselves to all the the french extreme stuff we'll we'll end with like inside and martyrs i know and then we're gonna walk away and like watch the real world news and be like meh I think maybe that's what it is. Like, the world is so dark that what can a horror movie do anymore? Right. <laughs> like, you know, like, what, you know, they're, like, they're different... like, literally harvesting people's organs, like, in, in China. They're, like, harvesting yes. the Uyghurs' organs in China. Like, what is Frontiers after that? And now that? we're all just like, ah, eh, different versions, same thing. Right? So, so yeah, so I, I'm very excited to talk about this movie because... I don't know how you feel about it yet. Usually I get a little temperature gauge of how you feel about it, and I'm not sure yet, so I'm excited to see what you say. But um, regardless, I think this is going to be a fun discussion because this movie does a It's doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So would you mind doing me a solid and giving us a synopsis? Oh, by the way, we're just going to spoil the whole movie. I forgot to do a spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's... <laughs> Uh, all right go for it my friend all right so we start out in again if i had not if you had not said the things that you said before it i would have still thought at this point that it was going to be a crappy just kind of whatever early 2000s horror slasher because we start out with the the main girl eva and we're seeing the reflection of nuclear bombs going off but we're seeing them reflected in her eyeballs pretty cool i don't know you didn't like it i thought it was pretty cheesy okay that's fair i I just thought it was cheesy because i don't know but anyway so our our opening sequence which i actually i appreciated that we started with the destruction it always just feels like such a such a tease when you get a movie that you're like yeah it's about the apocalypse and then you get 25 minutes of people just going about their normal days and i understand yeah, I, I don't need that I, no no i get it like yeah. i know it's trying to set the scene of like this is who they were before i'm like no no, yeah. no i'm already assuming they were normal before i'm going into this assuming that they were not murdering each other before this right gotcha so i liked that we started with, right away with the nuclear bombs being dropped and everybody running through this apartment building trying to get out and then get down into the basement where Mickey, the super, is currently trying to close himself up in his bunker that he's not... I mean, it, I can't really tell. It seems a little bit like he wasn't necessarily preparing for the apocalypse, but was a little bit just, like, a loner. <laughs> and was just like, this was his space. Well, I mean, he did have a lot of beans down there. I mean, you see, I don't know, it's... I don't know. And he does have some wild, uh, some wild theories about the North Koreans well, and... 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you caught the stuff when they're in their his bunker, like actually when they get into like the safe part of his bunker that he was a firefighter for nine eleven. Yeah. And so yeah. I think I think he is actually fully... a little bit of a survivalist. Yeah, I think he like, assumed that this was coming because he had lived through a terrorist attack, and he, and so he had gone all in on the prepper. Yeah, and uh, the racism. Yeah, <laughs> and the homophobia. Yep. <laughs> he just went all Mickey in. Mickey sucks, y'all. Yep. It hurt to see those words coming out of Michael Bean's face because yeah. he was such a formative kind of between. Terminator and Aliens, Michael Bean loomed large in my sexual development. <laughs> like, so, so this was a troubling movie for me for many reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, it's a it's a group of the tenants of this, oh my gosh, I was about to say hotel, but apartment building, <laughs> yeah. who are all catch him trying to close the door so they all, you know, are trying to, trying to smash themselves in and a, a group of them get in. And they close the door, and now they're all surviving in the basement together. Right. And we kind of go around, and we are seeing all of the, you know, well, I mean, what starts out is seeming almost like a very stereotypical set of trope characters, you know? Mm -hmm. You have the two rock and roll princes who are just like, "Eh, man, fuck this, I'm going out of here, Eh," you know? And then you have the... The mom and the daughter, and you have this, like, the sensitive blonde man, and then you have the the main couple, Eva and Sam, who, you know, almost immediately you get the sense of, like, Eva's not totally into him. Had this not happened, probably would have married him and had a very unhappy future. Like, just, just dissatisfied, but, you know, probably mm-hmm. would have. And Sam's obviously both weak and boring. And... <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> i you know he seems like someone who probably never eats peanuts not because he has a peanut allergy but because he's concerned that he might have a peanut allergy you know <laughs> wow that's a very specific that's like laser focused burn right there i like it <laughs> <laughs> and it's not to be clear not burning anyone with an actual peanut allergy but like we've no all no that no no no, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like the preemptive peanut allergy right? guy. Yeah. yeah. He carries an EpiPen even though he's never been stung by a bee. Right? Like, <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. And then uh. we get Mickey, who, like I said earlier, I immediately assumed he was going to be the like, oh, you know, he's gruff and he doesn't know how to talk to kids, but he's not a bad guy. He's just a loner. And then, like I said, like six minutes after I had formed that thought, I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. He's actually a crap like bag. the sixth time he called someone a faggot, you're he's like, oh, no, you bag suck. Of crap. Yeah. yeah, and, like, we don't even have proof of what's happening, and he's already like, yeah, well, it was the Middle Easterners dropping bombs. I knew they'd get their hands on a nuke. And I was like, okay, cool. So we're just... I mean, right I in. will say I do like in the Mickey character. I not I don't. There's nothing I like about him. What I like is that the movie never tries to redeem him. Yeah. Well, they gave him a moment in the very, very end. Oh, when he's like watching her go. When he of? puts the coat around Sam. Oh, I guess he gets a little bit. I guess it's not right. enough to make it like. I just think that's such a, that's a trope that I hate of the shitty racist dude that is misunderstood. No, he sucks. Yeah. And when I think about like that Clint Eastwood movie where he just like says racist shit for like two hours and but he's your hero. No, he sucks. Yeah. Not and I don't I don't like that. I mean I don't mind if if someone's like a little grumpy or a little gruff like a like if we're talking about like the old guy from up i'm into it right but the minute he is this particular type of character i don't want a redemption and i don't respect the movie that gives me gives him one yeah <laughs> sorry that's just a pet like i as you were i was watching that character like he better not 
fucking get a redemption. Like I was, <laughs> I was like already preemptively angry at the movie because I thought they were gonna. Turns out the nice guy is the bad guy, and he's the hero, but he's not really. So... Yeah, no, I, all the way up until almost the very end, I I also thought the same thing where they're like, oh man, they're gonna have him pull it out in the end and be like, ah, you go, kid, you know, and yeah. No. So I'm glad it didn't turn out that way. Also. Yeah. Sorry. But, uh, Mickey's a dick and he's always a dick. The end. We don't need yeah. to talk about the rest. So uh, so we meet all the characters and we also get a few slow pans around the room. And it felt like the intro of a video game where you're seeing all of the weapons you're going to get to choose later. Yeah, you know? a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which you I actually s- didn't hate. I thought it was kind of... I liked it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It was also cheesy kind of... It was This movie was weird for me because it seemed to fluctuate between... Things that I thought were very cheesy and overdone and stereotypical, and then things that were not, and there wasn't very much in the middle. So I can't, this is maybe why you can't tell how I feel about it, because I can't tell how I feel about it. That's totally fair. This is a movie where I feel like every opinion is the right opinion. Right? You know what I mean? Unless it's unless it's that it turns you on. That's the wrong opinion. Yeah. If or, you, or if you walked away and you're like, mm, that Mickey had some points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is, if you liked this movie or thought it was good, fair. If you really fucking hated this movie and thought it was disgusting and despicable, fair. If you have no idea what you feel, fair. Fair. (laughs) But yeah, I do feel like it feels very French to me, and I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is like... No, stylistically, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think some of that stuff, it translates in a way that feels a little... A little odd because it's it's just not an American sensibility. Yeah, I mean it's true when you watch a, a Korean movie or a Canadian movie. There is just little cultural thing can sometimes. Yeah, I don't totally get this tone shift that's happening. But you know, the the more we talk about how strange it was that it fluctuated between that weird cheesiness and then the extreme violence is i am actually now it, this always happens. I have opinions and then we start talking about it. I'm like, oh, that's the reason. But mm-hmm. so now that we're talking, as we're talking about, it, I'm realizing that maybe that was the point is that that juxtaposition where we come in being like, look how stereotypical and cheesy. And then also we're going to kill a man with a tin can lid. You know what I mean? Right. So, and I can kind of appreciate that as long as it's intentional for that reason. Yeah. I if mean, I feel was- like it's very like these are the archetypes so that we don't have to spend a bunch of time. If for the same reason yeah. they like excised those 20 minutes of them walking around their apartments and dropping exposition bombs about their right. relationships. That could very well be what's going on. Like if you know these archetypes then as the character arcs occur then it's shorthand you can get to where you need to go and i that i appreciate because you know i don't need so much time being introduced to characters i've already met a million times right but i also it's it's becoming more apparent to me in thinking about um the little girl whose name i can't wendy wendy because she starts out in that like just and i i i mean you know i'm not great with kids and but every time there's kids in movies in disaster scenarios i get so frustrated because they're always like i want to go home and i understand they're kids they don't have the you know the thought capacity to be able to assess like oh we can't you know just because you're i understand you're unhappy but you don't know how to express that Mm -hmm. yet other than you just want to be somewhere better than this so you're screaming and crying about it you want to go home when that is obviously not an option and adults are able to think that way kids are not and I get very frustrated with that. And people are always like, Aaron, they're a little kid. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm not saying I'm expecting them to act like an adult. I'm just saying. 
And also, I hate like, this. that's a writer's choice. <laughs> not, yeah. Not an actual child. But <laughs> this, like, this kid was so, just so irritating yeah. and so annoying. But then later, and again, it's weird to give a spoiler or whatever, and I'm assuming you've already seen everybody who's listening has seen this already. When you skip ahead and she gets abducted, that performance yeah. was amazing. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most amazing upset child performance I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And so I like it made it even better that she had been so stereotypical and awful and such a regular scream, you know, just unhappy child in a bunker before and then she pulled out this and I don't know, it just it 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 made it better for me, yeah. I guess, the the yeah. annoyingness up to then. Yeah, there's something about and it's uh, I think something that reoccurs in this movie that when the characters finally completely devolve into just, like, pure animalistic emotions, the performances are kind of incredible. Yeah. Especially when we get to it, uh, Michael Eklund, I believe is the actor's mm-hmm. name, who plays Bobby, the guy who, ins- you know, who's... Yeah. When they're shaving his head in that scene, that's one of those scenes where, like, and it's just his face. I had a moment where I was like, oh, that's a real person that's having to deliver this performance. How do you... This is a movie I feel like had an impact on the people that played the characters. Like, yeah. how do you do this from nine to five and then go home and like be like, I want a Pop-Tart. Right? <laughs> they go to such dark fucking places with these performances. I can't even imagine what clocking out is like. Yeah. And then if you think about it, like, you know, some of those scenes, they're doing those scenes, and then imagine the director calls cut, and then you're just in a room with these people that you just did these horrible things to, and you're like, okay, and they're like, uh, let's grab a cookie and some water and take it again from the top. Like, Right. That's what, what? I'm saying. Like, they go to such dark places in this movie. What must it be like to be Rosanna Arquette at the end of the day? I don't. Okay. Sorry. I'm totally getting in the way of our, our synopsis. Yep. You continue. Anyway, so we basically just get some establishment that this is Mickey's basement, uh, he's got some stuff down here. He's got a room that he doesn't want anyone to go into. They're pretty sealed up. He's duct taped the like the air, you know, the crack around the door because he's, you know, telling them about radioactive dust and stuff. And uh, they eat some beans. Yeah, and, a lot uh, of beans in this movie. As a non-bean eater, it was very troubling to me to see oh, so that's many right. beans. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> there, beans are the feet of food, as far as Ew. I'm concerned. <laughs> That's how I feel about them. They're disgusting. Aww. I don't even like to see them on screen. I like beans. I know. I wish I liked beans, but I don't. They're disgusting. <laughs> we continue. Um, and basically, the the next really kind of big plot that, ha- that happens is all of a sudden there's like a welding torch coming from the other side of their door, of the big metal door. Yes. And they're like, oh my god, someone's going to save us. Rescuers! This is awesome. And instead, a bunch of people in these white like hazmat suits and guns come in and they kind of do like a slow enter until they see Wendy, the little kid, and they abduct Wendy. And again, Wendy gives this amazing performance. Something about the way she was like holding her own hair, like she was just so upset that she was holding her own head. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But they inject her with something. They put her in a weird like hazmat body bag yeah. kind of scenario. Yeah. And take her away. And Rosanna Arquette also gave a really good performance as the, yeah. the anguished mother. And they leave. They don't seal them back up yet, right? They just leave. Yeah, they just leave. Oh, they they take her, and then everybody in the bunker or in the basement manages to kill the ones that stay, who are trying to kill them. You know, then we get some more racist comments from Mickey about yeah. who's inside of the suit, 
and it's an Asian dude, and of course Asians can't be Americans, so obviously it's the North Koreans. <laughs> and they take they start taking this this body out of the suit, right? And it's like he's like biometrically connected to it. Is that what that kind of was? It looks like they were like nipple clamps. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, there was like some sort of I'm they weren't nipple clamps, but there was like something on the, on his chest that was connecting to the suit, and then. Uh, when they pull the helmet off, all of his brains come out. Not yeah, that, not because that was of, pretty great though. Yeah, yeah, not not because it was a biometric suit, which it might not have been, but like I'm pretty sure they either shot him in the head or yeah something. But anyway, they take the helmet off and all his brains come out, and that was mm-hmm. I, that was a neat gore Gross. moment. Yeah, my which makes it. me feel really weird to be a but like yeah, that was that was cool that cool gore moment. When I all mean, his brains came out of the. These helmet. are the few little like typical horror movie moments that we can really lean into enjoying. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm so enthused. <laughs> about like yeah brain soup i i will say i felt very tense even in these early scenes because i knew that this movie was going to go dark places and it was watching the tension build and trying to figure out exactly where the danger comes from yeah mickey at first is this like really intimidating character but like i even from the beginning even when he's really scary you know that the danger is actually lurking elsewhere yeah. and so it's just like that constant tension of is the racism going to mean that they're going to go after the black guy? Are they, is it the fact that there's two women with a bunch of dudes in there? Like how long until the sexual assault starts? Right. Like that well, tension of is the kind dudes, of always present. Of the dudes, you're trying to figure out like who's going to be, because, you know, uh, uh, Bobby is a really threatening character from the mm-hmm. beginning, but then he gets, when he begins his relationship with, with Marilyn, it's you're almost tender. like, oh, yeah. yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, he's changing. He's actually like, he's had this really traumatic experience. He's broken. She's broken. They're going to fix each other, you know? And like, yeah. and at the moment where we're at in, in the, the movie right now where Josh is volunteering to put on the suit and go out there and he's doing the like yeah i'll find your daughter i'm gonna go check it and you're like oh he's the hero you know yeah and i like... mean the casting of milo was really smart in this role too because he does code as love interest you yeah. know what i mean and yeah. and when he puts the suit on it's under the pretense of being like stopping eva from doing it because like yeah. Eva's sort of our main girl so you think that me and he also is the person that grabs her and is like to go downstairs into the basement. Yeah. And so they're setting you as the audience up to think that this is the love connection. Right. He's like a heroic sort of character and probably is not going to survive, but he's going to protect me like a protector role. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And you know, when he goes, so he, he puts on the suit and volunteers to go out and find out what's happening. Um, he leaves through the basement. Here's the thing that I also found confusing is that he puts on this hazmat suit. They've been talking about radioactive dust and like, you know, Nagasaki and Hiroshima and all these things. Yeah. And then they just open the the two guys who aren't wearing the suit are like, oh, here, let me hold the door for you. And I was like, you're not, you don't seem that concerned about radiation. Right. right. You know, I would stand back a few feet. But yeah, anyway. They're going to pay for that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they open the door and it turns out that like the, the area around their door has been tented off and like mm-hmm. hazmat plastic and there's like mm-hmm. a whole hallway and stuff. And so mm-hmm. Josh is going down this hallway and he sees other people in suits and he kind of lowers his gun to be like, yeah, I'm just one of the guys, you know? And, uh, he's walking through this room where there's all these like human specimens and jars and stuff and samples. And he passes a, a tray of hair and in it is the braid that Wendy's mom had put into her hair. So now we know Wendy is now had all her hair shaved off and presumably is not in a great place. And then he finds the, life suspension pods with all these kids in them who have been like all their hair is gone eyebrows everything yeah. mm-hmm. and that's when someone 
one of the other, you know, whatever, guys in suits, guys like in heaven. scientists, dudes, yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of sees him and is like, hey, who are you? And, of course, he never removed the Asian guy's photo ID from yeah. his suit. And so they find out he's not the guy who's supposed to be in the suit. And he runs, Josh runs back to the basement, loses the gun, gets inside. He's, you know, in tears over having seen Wendy, which, again, it reads as like, oh, he's going to be some sort of heroic character here mm-hmm. because he volunteered to go. He's sad. He's at sorry to Marilyn that he's having to deliver these news that Wendy is not in a great place. Right. The thing is, though, like, I kept waiting for him to be like, she's alive. She's alive. Like, give yeah. her some semblance of hope. And he doesn't, which is maybe yeah. an early hint that he is not what we think he is. Maybe. I thought that it was, like, one of those... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like he thought it would be easier for her to accept that her daughter is dead I than to accept that saying. her daughter is being experimented like on or whatever. Like, being cruel you know? to be kind kind of yeah. thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that's what I kind of thought of it as. But who knows, I guess. Yeah. Um, the thing I did like about this, though, is we get this whole thing about these other people who have survived this thing. And they're now, like, preying upon people who were in, you know, the bomb radius, but they're doing it for, like, science. You know, they're not trying to save people. They're trying to, you know, use them as experiments or whatever. But we never go back to it. Like, it's I know, never, I like, a plot point. I kind of wish we had gotten a little more of that. But at the I'm same kind time... of okay with we with not, you know? Like, I kind of like being like, oh, this whole thing. And then it's like, oh, but actually... Being locked in the basement is the whole worst thing. I kind of almost think they were not experimenting. I think they were trying to save them from radiation poison. It's one of those I am legend things where our hero is actually the bad guy in that scenario. Yeah. He came out, he doesn't understand what's happening, and he starts killing people. But he was the monster that snuck in amongst them. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, they did seal them back up into the basement. And they only took the child. Right, yeah. You know, so that's why I was thinking that it wasn't for maybe Although, didn't fully... you get the sense they were going to take Eva as well? Yeah, kind of. So if you recall, she is someone who, d- who was got radiation sickness not until the very end. So I yeah. wonder if she had a lower exposure. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They do I have that know. moment. I mean, I don't think it ultimately matters that much, but I do, yeah. like, I like afterwards I was, like, Googling, like, what was with the fucking lab? Like... <laughs> I think I I thought it was sort of supposed to be like a red herring. Plot. Oh, definitely. The most important thing that they do is weld the the door shut. I, I liked it. I, I liked did too. That it was like super expanded upon. Like it wasn't just like and there's dudes out here abducting children. It was like this whole thing where like oh, look at all this plot, and then they welded them into the basement. It was like never mind, forget just about kidding. the plot. <laughs> yeah, I mean it definitely is one of those like where you're like oh this is the kind of where we're going with this. Nope, no, no, we're not. Yeah. And I, you know, and I kind of like that we never get resolution on what happened to Wendy and all the kids or whatever, you know, and even when Eva does make it out in the end, there's no sign of it, you know, like I was half expecting her to come out and it being like some sort of bustling military city where they've been like conducting experiments. Much grimmer. No, no. Um, Anywho, they get welded into the basement. The welding of the doors, though, I loved it because it was the absolute loss of hope. Mm-hmm. It is essentially a slow death sentence. The minute they there's no fi- trying to get a plot to get out, like they are they are now fully trapped in there, and this this is now whatever happens in this basement is basically the remainder of their life. Period. Yeah, and I kind of liked that we didn't. And I know we've talked about it a couple of times already about how certain things 
were that would normally have shown up in a movie like this didn't because we're just sort of saving time by not talking about things we already understand. Yeah. But I like that our transition from just realizing we're sealed in this basement to life in the basement was just like a slow montage of showing everybody in like their moments of oh, I guess this is just it forever. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have them spending three days trying to battering ram down the door or trying to burrow out, you know, whatever. It's just we skip right to just acceptance. Like, yeah. this is just it now. Right. And and I I appreciate that because I don't need to see them – like, I don't need to see them trying to get out to get the idea that they would rather not be sealed in this basement. Right. You know, like, and, and we instead we just get straight to the we're sealed in a basement. Right. And, like, there is this sense of, like, disorientation, like, that you there is no light, so there's no way to tell how long they're in there. You can only track the passage of time by, like, the decay of the body. When it's been long enough that the body smells so bad, they've got to go chop it up. That's the amount of time. It's not, like, three days. It's, like, decay time. <laughs> decay hours, you know and what you I know mean? And you know what's funny is that we, when we do get to that part where they're all sitting around with, like, clothes tied around their faces because the smell of the body is so bad and they're like we got to do something and i was sitting there going you should have acted faster you could have eaten it and then it was followed uh... immediately by someone being like we should have cut it up sooner and i was like ah see see this is why you are the mickey of the- i would have eaten that body <laughs> i have a feeling that you wouldn't have been happy about it but you would have joined me because it was either body or beans yeah definitely i'm just terrified that i'm <laughs> God, that's so. Why would you say that? That's so sad. Be nicer to yourself. I know, I know. (laughs) I just think whenever I watch something like this, I always try to like think what I would do. I never reflect well. (laughs) I would perform in the apocalypse. (laughs) Like aside from the actual like plot events that happened to him, I feel like I would try to be the Adrian. Yeah, because I forgot he was around. I mean, I think you low profile that shit as much as possible. Oh yeah, you you know, you take your rations, you keep quiet, you keep to yourself, stay out of the arguments. Yeah, yeah, right? Yep. You find that radar and you fly below it. Yes, you do. Anyway, so it kind of becomes a a little bit of a who's the more of a man kind of, you know, between Mickey and Bobby. And it ends up being Bobby who's like, yeah, I'll doll chop up a body. And then it just like emotionally shatters him. He yeah. just becomes a shell of a man. And this is, you know, like we talked about earlier where I thought that there was going to be like, oh, he's he's going to change because up until now he'd been like a huge douchebag and you know marilyn is also just a crushed woman because her daughter's been taken away and she tells eva that her daughter was the only good good in her it was the only good thing about her you know and they have they kind of end up sort of bonding but just the you know the beginning the way he like holds on to her it's is, sweet yeah, yeah it's really sweet and it was like two broken people who are finding comfort in each other yeah. and you know, and that's what it started out as. It does not stay that it way. That way. I will um, we say also... the disposing of the body, even though they don't really show much of it, the sound of him just screaming and chopping up that body while everyone just sits stone faced, even though it was not on screen, was so gruesome. Yeah, and about that sound. So it was like the body squish sound, but then there was also kept being a metallic ting. And I was sitting there going, you're hitting the pavement, man. You're going to dull that axe. And then oh like my four God. minutes later, he walks in, he's like, axe is dull. And I was like, you I are made it. for bunker life, man. Because <laughs> I kept thinking like, you can't cut all the way through the axe. You're going to dull the axe if you hit the pavement. You got to go like three quarters of the way. And then you got to like cut, you know, knife cut or saw or something the rest of the way, obviously. 
There were three times in this movie when I was like, this is what's going to happen next, and those were the first two. Oh, were you right about the third one as well? I was also right about the third one, too. Oh, (laughs) no! Oh, and then we also get, during the scene, we find out that Josh's gums are bleeding. And I realize now it was radiation sickness. At the time, I was like, oh, he's got scurvy. As if you could get scurvy (laughs) in under a year. I mean, the symptoms are, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Receding bleeding gums, that's one of the first signs of scurvy. Yep, that's But true. you also have to not eat fruit for, like, 90 days or something. Or really? More than that. It's, like, it's, like, almost a year before you start really having scurvy problems. I mean, like, your poops are really bad for a while before that, but, like, you won't start actually <laughs> losing your gums until... <laughs> Only on the stream queens, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have this very real, like, you know how everybody has, like, a very, you know, everybody's got an irrational fear. But I, for some reason, I don't know why, because it's not like I've ever had, like, a loose brush with scurvy. But I have this very serious fear that I'm going to get scurvy. Hmm. I don't know why that is, because it would be extremely difficult. In, I mean, in my life, you just need to, get to eat like an orange and you'll be fine. I eat, I eat fruit. I eat a piece of fruit every single morning, not because I'm like, oh, it's a healthy way to start my day, but because I'm like, oh, I gotta keep the scurvy away. Wow. Like, why am I? I am. Was I a pirate in a past life? Is that what t- this life is in retribution for? And it's. I think it's funny because scurvy is such like a goofy word, but it scurvy itself is fucking horrific. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's bad. But so I think it's 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 always been a little funny to me that they gave such a goofy name to something that is like legitimately yeah, yeah. one of the worst worst slow deaths that you could go through. Oof. All right, grim. Okay. Well, no, yeah. it's just good old radiation sickness. Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> at least it's fast. Yeah. And oof. not fast enough. No. Uh, anyway, so people are starting to not look super great. Basically, the first, like, major skirmish between people is that they think Mickey's hiding food. And Delvin is in a room that should have no other access points. And Mickey just kind of shows up in there. And, and so he starts to suspect that he's hiding food somewhere in this bunker they don't know about. Which he is. Which right. he is. Yeah. So there, they, there's a, the confrontation. And in, during the confrontation, he discovers there is a secret bunker inside the bunker that's full of food and guns. And they get into a little bit of fight, and Delvin gets shot gets in the shot. process. And this is where our power balance fully shifts. Yeah. You'd think you'd learn from the first time, but they don't eat Delvin either. I mean. They don't eat Delvin, no. I don't know. But this is also, like... this is the scene where I could not look at the screen. I had to watch it on in the reflection of my TV. I'm, I don't remember now. They basically grab Mickey because they want to get into the oh, room, right. but it has a combination yeah, so they grab him and duct tape him to a chair, and then we start getting, like, a little bit of play at, uh... Here's the thing. They cut off D- Mickey's finger, right? Mm-hmm. Which is awful. But I felt like it was worse when Josh was just, like, kind of put the blade under his fingernail. Yes, that's where I grabbed... That's why I told you I grabbed my phone and used it as, like, a block. I was like, ah, because it was, like, the right shape. I didn't even mean to do it. It just, like, happened, because I was like, that was I'm also- not going to watch him peel this dude's fucking fingernail off. That was also me, is that I saw, I saw, like, the first, the first little kind of shot of the, the blade going into the finger, and I was like, well, I know this is gonna end one of two ways, and I don't need to see either of them to understand what's about to, I'm good, we'll just hear it later, and then, uh, when he still refuses to give the combination, yes. and he starts screaming, and I was like, it's happening, and I made myself be brave, and I looked, and I went, oh, good, they're just cutting off the finger, okay. I know. <laughs> Why is that? It's, it, it's, it is less bad. 
It's so much worse if they had just popped that fingernail off. Somehow that would have been so much worse. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was very troubling, but... Yeah, and this is, um, yeah, like you said, this is where the power shifts to Josh and Bobby. Yeah. And this is when Adrian and Josh start to drift apart because they're half-brothers. Mm-hmm. And so Josh keeps being trying to be like, you know, yeah, I was only going out there to find a way out for us, and it's us, and we, you know, we got to stick together. And and uh, even though he seems a touch resentful that he, I, it seemed like that they were raised by Adrian's mom yeah. and then their mutual dad because yeah. he makes... Some comment where he's like, she wasn't my mom just because she cut my sandwiches up or whatever. And I was like, oh, someone's got some inner anger about that that they haven't. Yeah. The true, we're starting to see, like, the dark side of this character come out. I mean, yeah. not starting. It's out now because he just cut off a dude's finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Bobby's keeping it. So yeah. that doesn't say great things about Bobby It does either. not say great things about Bobby. Yeah. And Adrian, who got shot during the initial, like, hazmat guy raid um seems to be doing i mean he's doing relatively well for having been shot and then having it like field dressed in a dirty dirty bunker surrounded by radiated dust Mm -hmm. seems to be doing okay but he's become very withdrawn and like i said like this is kind of where i kept forgetting he was around yeah like every once in a while when he disappears off screen for like a long time yeah and then when he pops back up again i was like Oh, yeah. oh, that guy's still around. That's right. Same thing with Sam. Like, this movie yeah. really only becomes about Bobby, Josh, Marilyn, Eva. I have the, the names in front of me, so don't yeah. be too impressed. And even Mickey disappears for a while. Yeah. Because in the end, when she runs and frees him from the chair, I was like, oh, they didn't kill him? Yeah. Like, I kind of forgot he was also around. But yeah, no, we start to get a new, a new society comes out that is run by Josh second in command bobby marilyn is just destroyed mentally and emotionally and physically at this point eva sam seems to be i mean he's acting like he's not noticing it but i feeling that's his like survival method Mm -hmm. is to kind of just pretend like all the bad stuff that's all the really truly bad stuff that's happening is not really happening you know and he's kind of because I don't think he's a dumb guy, right? But there are times where he says and acts away where I'm like, are you a dumb guy? I think are he is stupid completely man? lacking in street smarts. Yeah. Like, he was someone that was really successful as an attorney outside in the, like, civilized world. But once you get down in here to survival mode, as these characters are devolving into animals, he just does not have a skill set that translates. Mm-mm. No, and then Adrian just kind of keeps to himself in his room and becomes, like, the troubled artist and just finger paints all day and is, I mean, pulling the smartest move, I think, out of everyone where you just try to stay invisible. Yeah. But Josh and Bobby start controlling the food rations and it becomes, like, a people have to take turns babysitting Mickey, who's still strapped to the chair. What Before we go too much further, we have to talk about our, the first sign of them completely abandoning their humanity is Bobby dropping his pants and taking a shit <laughs> like, oh, yeah. in front of Mickey. I was, it was, the thing is, is it was the marking of the territory. It was the most aggressive pooping I've ever seen. You know, like how animals will like mark their territory and it's crass, but it's also first sign of, they aren't just becoming cruel monsters. They're de-evolving basically. Yeah. And getting like further and further into base needs and desires gets darker and darker from here. Yeah, well, and radiation sickness will do things to your mental state as well. And oh, yeah. Bobby and Josh have the worst of it, which we see, we start to see it here because they're losing full patches of hair. And other people are not really showing 
much in the way of radiation poisoning, but Bobby and Josh are declining swiftly. You know, Bobby's eyes or Josh's eyes are getting all bloodshot and, and he's getting all pale and whatnot. Yeah. The the makeup is actually pretty incredible in this. Yeah. And I really appreciate it because I don't see this a lot in a lot of movies and I feel like it's something that's severely overlooked because as someone who has constantly chapped lips and has never gone through Apocalypse, I appreciate it when they have show people chapped lips. Because it's like you, you're you surviving on such low water rations. Yeah, mm-hmm. all of your outside skin is going to start flaking away. That's the way that's the way the body works. Yeah. So it was like little details like that and like, yeah, and Josh and Bobby's radiation poisoning makeup was mm-hmm. so good. It was real, real good. Especially at the end. They look like the teachers in the descent. Like yeah. by the end they're like these little like bald mole people. The way that they they just remove all the human characteristics from them that matches internally what's happening with these characters. It's really visually disturbing. Yeah. Oh, there was one other scene we didn't talk about before we because we're getting towards the end now, which is the scene right early on when Rosanna or after Rosanna Arquette's character Marilyn starts her relationship with Bobby she kind of has this aside conversation with Eva where she is suggesting to Eva that she be basically bisexual with the other like it's coming like basically saying especially Josh right like the rape is coming so you should just lean into it be friendly this is the rule that you should take to protect yourself and you can kind of see the strategy that's happening with her like that love that sweet love story we thought was happening was like very strategic she aligning herself with these with these guys basically yeah to protect but then like what she didn't understand which I think the movie in really disturbing ways tells you is that is actually not a safe plot to align yourself with these men because they just use her up in a way that is i mean they literally use her up yeah and i i've never seen anything quite like that baseman dog being seen in my life yeah that was uh that was a lot that was a lot of factors yeah but Roseanne Arquette is amazing in this movie, I think. Yeah. Well, regardless how you feel about the movie as a whole, I think we can all agree that Roseanne Arquette fucking kills in this movie. And there's a scene where she is playing with a bunny and taunting Mickey. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, she is fucking losing it. And it's so chilling. And it's this baby voice. And you you just see, like, um like there's there's some subtlety to it that makes, like, the it really very chilling. Well, and that, and it's, you know, it's her daughter's stuffed animal or whatever Mm -hmm. and it just seemed like one of those things that like would become a precious item to her and it's not right like that part that's actually a good point because all the good died when when wendy went yeah fuck so i was reading a little bit about this movie and a lot of the dialogue was actually improv improvised oh that's uh, that's creepier somehow (laughs) right i think that's part of why like as we get into the later parts where people are just like completely losing their shit they were able to come they weren't worried about lines so they were able to just kind of like fully go into the character and it shows yeah yeah there's some real commitment Mm -hmm. to to these roles you know as as terrible as some of the characters are and as awful and as you know broken and whatever like these performances are Mm. amazing like i i like after after the history of what happens to people who play the joker you know i'm surprised that they like all of these people walked away from this movie and didn't like have huge i mean maybe they have nightmares still i don't know but like you know they seem to have i mean milo maniglia however you say his name seems to be doing pretty okay yeah you know I mean, I kind of loved that he went so against type at this. Yeah. You know and he, what I like, mean? 
Like, this is not This Is Us. <laughs> nope. This is not even the Gilmore Gil- Girls, okay? This is fucked. This Ugh. is very different. And, like, you know, at the end when he's somehow, like, the way his eyes are now all kind of really dark because of the blood and he's got no yeah. hair and, like, and he's so pale and weird looking and he's just screaming and it reminded me of the, it reminded me of the creatures from I Am Legend. Yeah. Like, when they do, when they do the that scream and their jaw seems elongated like yeah. his face looked warped yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah so it's uh it's now eva and sam are babysitting mickey and she's starting to i mean she's for a while been very like this is not okay but like what are the options you know and uh bobby and and josh have put in some new like food rationing rules and they're trying to Adrian is like this is everyone's food you can't tell you know whatever and it, we're starting to see that they they are becoming the the evil kings of the castle and they don't give a shit and they're just gonna use everything and everyone for whatever they they, and they want set their sights on Eva that's the other really yeah. scary thing like the thing we've all been dreading this whole time is now they're like he, he's starting to press his advantage advantage and go after Eva yeah, and I'm <gasps> I'm pretty certain they've shaved both their heads and eyebrows at this point. Bobby mm. has taken to wearing Marilyn's nightgown around, which Oof. I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of thought it was funny, but I don't know why. Maybe I was trying really hard to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I anytime you have like gender dysphoria as like a sign of like I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like I feel like sometimes that's coded as like madness or depravity and i'm just kind of like gender dysphoria is a thing so i don't know i don't know how i feel about that like i i I don't know anyway i'm not trying to defend it but i read it more as him just being like i don't give a fuck about anything anymore i just want to get out you know because he makes some comment about everybody's clothes being filthy you know like he talks about how gross it is and so it just it it just struck me as being like i guess i'm gonna wear this now because my pants are dirty like that's what it read to me as but i yeah. maybe i'm not as sensitive I like, as i should I, be <laughs> i like that interpretation way more but i also we have to remember this movie even though it's only eight years old our ideas around gender have vastly changed yeah. in the last decade so i kind of am like okay like i i'm just saying as someone who's watching it now because the movie's still like it's still the watching happens in 2019 so like i have to, i can only see it with my 2019 eyes that part to me i was just like ugh, it feels antiquated yeah i mean i feel sometimes that i'm not quite as like aware of things like that because for me it could have been a dress it could have been bunny ears it could have been a clown nose it didn't matter what it was it was just for me it was just him being like yeah. oh, whatever i'm aware of this now kind of but you know like i said like i'm not as sensitive to those kinds of things at as maybe i should be so i that's why i didn't interpret it as like oh he's going insane like, yeah which i get i totally yeah. see that now that you say that but yeah. you know like i was saying like when it this movie is offensive in nine million different ways right yeah like i said like it could have been bunny ears or a ninja costume <laughs> i mean then I we mean, get into cultural appropriation I mean, he, was, he was a he was a spaceman earlier oh my god know? that scene i will never <laughs> that forget upsetting. that scene when he starts pouring the beans on her i was like what is the fuck is happening what is happening who um, came also, up with this we already made the point earlier like three times but we do not waste food in this basement Thank you very much. I mean, I guess they're just like full hedonism, right? Yeah, at that point, I guess it doesn't really matter. Again, right. But uh, maybe yeah. it's better if you run out of food sooner at that at that point. Right. Anyway, Josh and Bobby have lost it. 
they are slowly dying of radiation poisoning, but they are, like, I think, in denial about that and think that they're at the uh, the top of the top of their game. And uh, Eva and Sam are babysitting Mickey, and that's when Mickey reveals two things that I don't know why he kept as a secret for so long. Uh, one, he's got a gun hidden in the storage room in a coffee can. And mm-hmm. two, there's a way out of the basement. Yeah. I understand it's not preferable, but it is fucking there. And we've not ever talked about this. Like, it wasn't his first, like, they get trapped in the basement. And he's like, yeah, if you really want to leave, you can wade through all the poop and get out. But I'm not going. Like, I would understand that. And it doesn't benefit him to have all those people in the basement with him. So you'd think he would, unless he was afraid that they would leave and then come back. I don't know. Well, there's only one bio. There's only one hazmat suit. He probably thought of it while he was chained up and was like, that's how I'm going to get out of this. Oh. See, the hazmat suit part didn't even occur to me until she started doing it. I was just mm. like, well, that would be a shitty swim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a really dark take called the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> this is worse. So he reveals these two these two facts to Eva, and I kind of had a hard time following what her plan was here, because she, so she tells Sam about the gun. Mm-hmm. And says that he has to go get it, right? While she distracts Josh. I kind of got that. Knowing that Bobby was going to go with him, though, right? Was she thinking Bobby wouldn't go with him? And why did she keep trying to change locations? I think she was trying to get him where he would not see what was going down and keep him occupied. And he kept trying to have sex right away. And she was trying to slow him down and find excuses to take her time. That's why she was like, let me to just give Sam more time. Yes, exactly. She Even was buying time. Did she anticipate Bobby going with him? Or was I that... don't think she did. Okay. Yeah. I think that's where I was getting lost. Because he said he was, was like... going to the bathroom, so he probably, I think the idea was that you'll say you're going to the bathroom, and then you'll be able to be alone. Okay. But he followed him. Yeah, and this is uh, when, oh, so I, I only mentioned it because there were two times when I was like, oh, Sam is for sure faking this naivety because that's where he feels safe, I think. You know, is to make people, is to somehow block out the truth of what's happening, but there's a scene where he's drinking with josh and bobby and they're making him bark like a dog and he's just so psyched in that just like oh my god like the cool kids are laughing with me but they're laughing at you it's so grim yeah and it's it's especially uncomfortable i thought things were gonna happen that were gonna be way more uncomfortable but um because they had talked about marilyn as being a dog earlier and then they were making sam act like a dog and i was like i mean i kind of feel like that's where it was going yeah I think that's that. I think that's, yeah. I'm glad we didn't have to see it and that it didn't happen, but I'm pretty sure that had Eva not acted when she did, I think that things would have turned out differently for Sam. Um, but anyway, so Eva has recruited Sam to go find the gun, and this is where we get the second moment where I'm like, oh, Sam, you are just not built for this world, because he finds the gun, he manages to get the coffee can with Bobby's back turned. And then just so agonizingly slowly pulls it out that Bobby has turned around to see him holding the gun. And then he doesn't, you know, pull the gun on Bobby. He drops everything. He does get the gun back. But, oh, in that moment where Bobby spits the The apricot out. I know! Oh, my God! I've never been so disturbed by an apricot in my life. Right? Just Just the way he plops it out of his mouth is so... (laughs) 
disturbing. Why so, is that? And because of what it is, how it's like that kind of yellowy, yeah. liquidy, syrupy kind of, and, and the that sound it makes. Sound. Yeah, there's something so animalistic about everything that happens in this final section. Yeah. Sam immediately just fails at this. Although, I mean, I guess he turns it around. He he pulls a really great move and just knees Bobby in the face yes. and gets the gun. And I was like, yeah, Sam, get it. And then he just crumbles, like, immediately after that and gets all like, you go, you march. I was like, no, man, you just kicked a dude in the face. You've got to, like, at least pretend to have more backbone after that. You've got to – and, like, Bobby can tell, right? Because he's like, okay, and he's, like, kind of being all – mocking and stuff as he walks away and he is going you know he's following sam's orders but he's not afraid you know he's not worried about the situation and like i said earlier like my feeling about bobby's at this point he doesn't give a shit about anything and that he doesn't have like a he doesn't have any sort of grounding in reality where nothing has real consequences for him anymore because why would anything have consequences at this point and you know whatever happens happens and so anyway then we get into a standoff where sam has the gun josh and bobby have him cornered Eva is screaming at Sam to keep the gun on Bobby because Sam keeps wavering back and forth. Adrian appears out of nowhere. And I <laughs> this was one of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah. I remember you. Oh, that guy. And this is the third time when I was like, oh, for sure Adrian's getting shot. Like, for sure Sam's going to shoot Adrian. He's got two bald psychopaths screaming at him. And he's going to for sure shoot the one guy who's, like, still sane. In who's literally situation. saying, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Yeah. I'm on your side. And Eva's screaming, give Adrian the gun. Give Adrian the gun. Give Adrian the gun. And Sam's like, oh, shoot Adrian in the face? Sure. And that's, I mean, he gets he doesn't get shot in the face. But he does get shot. Sam just gets the, the snot yeah. beaten out of him. Eva runs and frees Mickey, who, again, I forgot was not dead up until this point. <laughs> uh, and, like, she ran to him and I was like, who's this other guy? Oh, yeah! Oh, you! Gotcha. So she frees him. He shoots Josh. Oh, I skipped my favorite part! Oh, no! When she, when she cuts Bobby's throat with the tin can lid. Oh, I know. That was pretty great, wasn't it? That was my, that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. not even like, oh, it's my favorite part of the movie. It was like, that was just legitimately a really, like. Yeah. I mean, that it was, was a good. fucking gross and it was awesome. Again, it was one of those handful of horror movie moments where you can be like, you feel good about enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and it's like, I am so scared to cut myself in a tin can lid. And I've done it before. Oh, I've cut yeah. myself And it's awful oh it sounds bad and it would take so much effort to saw through someone's throat on the first try with the yeah. tin can lid. she really and, meant it man Oof. yeah mickey shoots josh and then i also liked this detail how mickey gets up and his legs have completely atrophied because he's been sitting in that chair for we honestly don't even know for how long yeah. but it's obviously been long enough that he's lost a lot of the like feeling in his legs yeah so he's a little bit stumbly adrian and Bobby are dead. Josh is just, I mean, he's already lost it, but this is like the last desperate act of a a dying man. And he sets himself and the basement on fire. Eva makes like what seems like, I see, I thought this was like a snap decision, but now I'm wondering if she'd had kind of this plan all along. But she locks herself in the storage room and starts to put the hazmat suit on because she's going to escape through the sewage. I think... I think it is somewhat of a snap decision, but there is a lot of stuff that leads up to it. We didn't talk about it, but there was a whole truth or dare scene that culminates in her having to cut up a body. 
because oh, that's right. Sam For is Sam. not able to do it. And he there's also like scene where he almost sexually assaults her himself. Won't stop. Oh yeah. And she has no protection from him when Bobby and Josh, they're all over her in that doorway. And she has that moment where she's kind of looking at them both. And I think that's where she's realizing, like, he's weak and Mickey is, I'm not getting stuck with Mickey alone. So I think, and that's kind of what I walked away from it with, is that, yeah, maybe she's making this decision immediately. But she's making, she's putting, she's not just like, I'm going to run and lock the door. She's thinking, like, I don't want to be stuck with either of these guys. Right. Well, I think also what we, we learn over the course of the movie is, and it's something Josh talks about, how, like, she's the strong one of the two of them. And there's only one hazmat suit, and she kind of makes the deci- decision to survive. Yeah, I didn't realize there was only one hazmat suit. Yeah. I think but there's I only that- one. It makes sense now because later when it shows that, what's his name? Delvin. Delvin has it in his locker or whatever. And there was only one. I was like, oh, I wonder where the other ones are. And now I'm realizing it's because there there was only one. Right. I think the other ones were damaged. Yeah. Like the guy who got shot in the head, like that helmet probably was not. Yeah. I also like the idea of her being like, regardless of whether I survive, I'm not getting stuck with either. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants to get stuck with Mickey. No one wants to get stuck with Mickey, and no one wants to get stuck dragging Sam's ass around, because that's what it would end up being. Yep. Yep. Just to be like, I'd have to save myself from one of them and save the other one myself. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Eva has locked herself into the storage room. She's putting on the suit, and, and I did like that she had a little bit of a breakdown at this point. It wasn't just her, like, fully stone-faced badass I'm doing this. Like, she starts to cry because this is a highly, highly stressful situation. She is making a decision that's going to cause two people to die. You know, like, this mm-hmm. is the thing. But she's going to go. She's going to do it anyway. Like, she knows what she has to do. Um, Mickey and Sam are in the main storage cent- storage room. She's in the bathroom-ish area. I don't know. I kind of lost the geography of this. The whole basement is going up in flames. This is where Mickey gets that little moment where he kind of tucks Sam in under a jacket and kind of like pats his head and then sits down and waits to die. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, at least in a fire, you would die of smoke inhalation before you actually burn to death. So, I mean, I guess at least that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, always, it's not great. That's what but... I always tell myself. <laughs> it would just mostly be... you die of smoke inhalation, but I don't but know. I mean... In that, like, that, I mean, basically they're trapped in like a freaking oven. Yeah. Ugh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> anyway, Eva swims through some poop and some bodies and stuff and everything else that's been in there. Mm-hmm. And even though she's wearing the hazmat suit, I can't imagine that that's great. Plus, she brought a bag of supplies with her, and you know that canvas soaked up some unmentionable, like, I didn't even some think about unsavory that. stuff. Yeah, yeah, forever uh, unclean. Oh, yeah, no, like, whatever you put in that that you were planning on using later, you've just tainted. Yeah. And, like, you know, and that's, you know, I don't even know how old a lot some of that stuff is. That's just diseases. Like, your body might be safe because you were wearing the hazmat suit. Maybe. Yeah. But she makes it out, and the whole world is ruined. And then we get, actually, as much as I thought it was cheesy in the beginning, it was kind of neat how they capped it with that same sort of seeing the world reflected in her eyeballs type shot. Uh-huh. You know, because we get that while we're looking at her face. Like, we, the, when we first see her, it's through a window. Yeah. And we're seeing the reflection of what's happening. And then yeah. when we last see her, it's through the window in the little helmet. Yeah. And we're seeing what the world looks like. And I thought that was kind of cool. That yeah. That started and ended the same way. Like the that. little bookend. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The echoes or whatever you call it. Yeah. I, I lo- actually loved the look of the outside world with all the skeleton stuff. It was very first scene of Terminator, which I was into. Yeah. And also just, it's just such a grim way 
to end the movie that she fought her way out of that basement killed people dismembered people did everything she had to do to survive literally walked through a river of shit and disease only to come out to a world that is just gone is a really grim way to end a movie which you know bravo i I love a grim ending i I was that's the same do i several trulies in so what'd you think of the divide and your your selection okay i didn't hate it it was very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. i think those are my feelings (laughs) i honestly can't form like an oh i liked it or i didn't like it i'm just like there are facts about this movie that i can say yeah so I don't know what this is going to make you think about me, but I kind of love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can definitely see how someone could love it because it does a lot of things. I, I do. I know it sounded like I was criticizing how stereotyped it started out, but I like that because it tried to be like, no, I'm this kind of movie. And then it was like an hour later, surprise, yeah. I'm like no kind of movie, you know, and I can appreciate that there were both literal red herrings in the movie and also thematic red herrings. Yeah. And I like that because it shows thought went into it. Uh-huh. And like, you know, it wasn't just like, because we've watched, watched some movies, both for the show and like, you know, in life, where we're just like, oh, this, this, whoever wrote this just wrote that to be there, you yeah. know, and this felt like all the parts were very specifically chosen. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I, I really appreciate when someone actually thinks about all the elements of a movie and isn't like, well, this is just going to be there as filler or like, yeah. well, this is just going to get us from A to B, you know, like, but there is actual like motivation behind a lot of the choices, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, be, I might be rambling now. No, you're not at all. And, and your thoughts about it are much more well-formed than mine. There is a place in my heart for weird little fucked up movies that this movie to me i just i it's upsetting as it was at parts i felt it was very compelling i just liked it i don't know it's a weird thing to say about a movie that with this kind of content that's so upsetting and it's the dichotomy of being a horror fan but also someone who like is fairly concerned about you know social justice and things like that right that i can watch something like this and be and say that i enjoyed the experience is a strange thing to say i think other horror fans will get it there is something about watching a movie that tests you that is an enjoyable experience even though it's not a typical or traditional idea of what something enjoyable is and i think also just the performance in this is so compelling the plot aside just kind of watching these actors really go places like I said where I'm like how do you clock out after the end of a movie like this I fully expected to be like this movie is fucked up especially knowing kind of what the content was I think really what it comes down to is it's just like the showcase of performances yeah that I'm just kind of like yeah that's fucking amazing these people really went there seeing Vin- Milo Ventimiglia go to such a fucking dark place and not in a way that is so over the top that you are just like, okay, this person's just going crazy on screen, but like to add like layers of pain and then also be truly terrifying, but 
in the package of Milo Ventimiglia. I can't look away from it. All the stuff with Rosanna Arquette is so upsetting, but it, I was just kind of wowed by her. With Michael Eklund, he is a Canadian character actor. If there is like a sci-fi series that is shot in Vancouver, he is in it. I yeah. recognize him from a million kind of low-budget sci-fi TV series. Oh my god, right. As soon as I saw his name on the screen before I saw him and I was like, oh! It's <laughs> that guy, right? Yeah, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but this is the movie that makes me think he has been fucking slumming it. Some Somebody needs to give him a truly dramatic meaty role because like I, I talked about earlier the scene where they're shaving their heads and it's just a shot of his face and you're watching all this emotion in his face as he is letting go of the last sort of like artifice of his humanity with the yeah. shaving of the hair. Yeah. And Nothing it's, it's was actually... happening on screen and I was riveted. Right? Because it seems like he's such, I mean, he starts out as a dirtbag, right? Yes. And then we get that little moment where we're like, oh, but he's human which again speaks to michael eglin's acting ability yes. that we could see like a sensitive person in him mm-hmm. that we wanted to see more of and then we don't you know whatever he goes totally psycho and just evil and all that but like that moment when he's choosing to let go of the last bits of his humanity because he doesn't know what else to do but it's actually painful for him to make that decision mm-hmm. you know and to just like shed that last the conflict bit. the internal conflict yeah. you see yeah but to see him be in those just those few moments where he was sensitive and it's like yeah but i would also believe him now mm-hmm. as a sensitive hero character yeah. too Okay, so like this movie, I don't think the plot is super original, but there's like eight seasons of The Walking Dead that are all about when civilization falls, so does people's humanity. And I feel like this movie does a way better job in its two-hour runtime than eight (laughs) seasons of The Walking Dead. I mean, this is not a new concept, but the fact that this movie really goes some places, and I think, again, that comes back to like... Xavier Jin's coming out of the French extreme horror school. Yeah. He kind of has the balls to be absolutely disgusting. This movie is revolting, but yeah. in order to really hit those things, you have to be really willing to go some fucking dark places. Yeah. Like, yes, it was gross. It was revolting. It was very upsetting, but it had like a message to it. It wasn't just horrible to be horrible. Mm-hmm. It was horrible to say something about the character, like humanity. I mean, right. and you know, I'm one of those people who's like, we're all trash. We're all trash people <laughs> on the inside. True, true. You know, and that's kind of, I feel, the theme of this movie. And even like, you know, Sam's character, like we know from the beginning he's weak, right? And and I know that like the stereotype was like, well, they gave him glasses to be like, he's obviously weaker than the rest. But then when like, you know, everything starts really going downhill and he really leans into that like, no, haha, you know, like the, the second part I was, I meant to bring up but forgot was when he pops out in the hallway and he's like, I got the gun! And he's like all smiley about it, and we're oh like, "Oh, God, you bless poor, your heart, you dumb, you dumb, poor, you are simple not fool." Up to this, you are not no. up to this. And like, and it's it sort of says like, probably in real life, he was you know a weaker kind of person who just wanted to please, just wanted people to like him, and then mm. in this thing, he just really falls into it, and is like, "Yeah, I'll bark like a dog. Look, I got the gun." I ah. mean, what does it tell you that he's like this powerful person that was like, "I took you in off the streets." He was looking for someone that he could be the like the more dominant partner with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, fuck Sam. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if I had to choose between Mickey and Sam, I would choose Sam, but, like, it would just be a bummer. It would be like, I'm gonna have to fucking... I mean, I think maybe you just grab the suit and bounce. I know, I know. But it's like, if you're stuck in the... Okay, so I don't know if you do this. I have a feeling... I don't know. I assume everybody does the things that I do, and then I say them, people are like, you do that. But um, whenever I enter anything that could become an enclosed space, I... The first thing I do is find exits, and the second is I imagine what it would be like to be stuck with the people that I'm with in that room. Really? Yeah, everything. Elevators, train cars, office buildings, 
tunnels on the road Ooh, you know yeah. like everything that could become an enclosed space i look at the people around me i'm like okay how would this shake out you're like which one do i eat first right, or like <laughs> who do i stay away from who do i ally with who's the weakest person in here that is just going to become dead weight like those are things i think about because uh, i get bored a lot but also because like you know i feel like it's going to be relevant you never know when like you know there's going to be an earthquake and you're going to get trapped in the building and you're gonna be like okay so how do we how do uh who's gonna Every conversation with you, I come away from being like, I should buy more prepper things. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the first thing I do. I do it every single day at work because, like, certain people are in or out of the office. I'm like, okay, so today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see. I think you're the you're the wild. You're actually the wild card because, like, you fly under the radar. Like you're very quiet, and if people don't know you, they they may underestimate you. You just meld into the background. You know what I mean? Because you are also small in stature, but like probably people might make the mistake of of, of sleeping on you. See, my goal is is like if I was in this basement, that Bobby and Josh would be running around bald and naked and just like being psychopaths, and I'd be like slipping in and out of the shadows like a stray cat, and they'd be like, "Oh, she's still alive! I had no idea." I'm like, "Yeah." Right? I also would be doing like full like prison shank. Like, what can I make into a weapon in this place? Yeah, like I'd be, you know, that I shot wouldn't have where... to go find a can lid. I would already have something on me. Like, okay, do you remember the shot where we're following Eva down the hallway? She's going to find Josh to distract him. So that Sam can get the gun, and for some reason the camera is up in the ceiling above the pipes. Uh huh. So my first thought when we got to that shot, I was like, "Oh well, that's where I'd be living." (laughs) (laughs) I would have set up camp in the ceiling long ago. Right? They would have forgotten you were there. They would have forgotten I was even. I had even shown up at some point. They might be having some sort of psycho conversation, being like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Wasn't there? Wasn't there an Asian child in here?" You're like the person that was like living in the cabinets. Like you wait till everybody goes to sleep and then sneak down and eat yeah. in the kitchen. And the- I'm Go the dude in the wall. <laughs> oh my god, it's all coming full circle. <laughs> but for real, that's my thought every time I think about like, okay, if this became an enclosed scenario with these people in this room, how many of them are strangers? Who's got the most food? And what wall do I hide in? Wall, ceiling, floor, doesn't matter. Even in something as big as a grocery store, I'm like, if an earthquake happened and blocked all the exits, mm. who's in this? How many? And one of my things is like, okay, how many How many kids are in here? What am I going to have to deal with? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Because they are, they are a problem. They are a yep. problem in a survival situation. Problem. Yeah. That is the first problem that will arise. Mm-mm-mm. And you know there's going to be some like hero trying to protect the mom and her kid. Yeah, I know. Trying to get your Let resources. Em. I'll let Maybe him. we are the bad guys. We want to live yeah. in walls, and we don't want the children. <laughs> I, like, I think maybe we are the bad guys. <laughs> I know. I'm always thinking, like, okay, if the, if if all the exits were suddenly blocked up by an earthquake, what side of the supermarket do I want to be on right now? Like, obviously, like canned goods. I don't want to be in like the toilet paper charcoal briquette area. Yeah, like where do you yeah. have resources you can barter? That's what you want. Yeah. Maybe you yeah, want to be yeah. on the booze aisle. Oh yeah, luxury goods. You can mark so... those way the fuck up. Uh, any other thoughts before we wrap up our discussion of the divide? It was definitely not what I was expecting, and yet somehow everything I was expecting—I don't know—I still am very. I cannot form my solid thoughts. I, that, I didn't hate it. I mean, I think that's a totally valid opinion. I'm a little disturbed with myself that I liked it as much as I did. <laughs> well, I'm glad I picked it then and finally got. Oh yeah, to me watch too. It. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm so glad we watched it. Are you kidding me? I lo- I kind of. 
I feel like I'm in a new phase of my horror fandom. I don't know what's happening to me. I know. It's kind of exciting. What uh, was the other one you said was on Amazon Prime or something? Uh, Frontiers. Yeah, I'm going to watch that, I think. Okay. I'm putting... Maybe I, not tonight, probably. I have but. it on my list of potential future episodes, so... But, well, then maybe I'll save it. No, I mean, go ahead. It's fine if you... Watch it whenever you want. But, but. now I'm like... Right? What else is in this? In this... I guess my final thoughts are don't judge this movie by the movie cover because it looks like Urban Legends and it's it's not. Uh, no. So if someone were to watch this film and they wanted to have a, the perfect accompanying the Vrage, what would you suggest? Prison wine. <laughs> Just straight up toilet wine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go moonshine, but then I was like, no, no. they actually make really good moonshine. Like no. they do make nice quality moonshine. So either bat, either bathtub moonshine or a uh, prison wine. One of those. The prison wine makes sense to me. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, toilet like, wine. Yeah. yeah. Even though they didn't have a toilet, but no, don't not make a toilet. It in the toilet. Not. A I don't think you have to make it in the toilet. I think that you just make it in the toilet at, because they don't have anywhere to it's hide. It's a receptacle. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's upsetting. Enjoy. Yep. <laughs> so, as I teased at the beginning of the show, we have some listener feedback. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you want to hear the rest of this email, you need to go and listen to the episode of the Zombie Girls, because most of this email applies to that show. And the episode that this will be on, we'll, we'll be talking about father-daughter whore. <laughs> so we'll be reviewing The Loved Ones and Pure. So if you want to hear the rest of this, which you do, because it's very funny, check out that episode. But so I'll read you the setup and then I'll get to the part about you. So this email comes from our buddy Doug from Georgia, who um, has sent us emails in the past. He's a funny, funny guy. But this may be his greatest email. (laughs) Oh, yes. It says, howdy. I continue, as always, to enjoy the shows. Everybody is so cool, and I enjoy the freewheeling nature of the show, a.k.a. disorganized. Um, (laughs) In in repayment for all the free hours of listening fun everybody has provided to us, the listeners, I've come up with the plot of the film that the zombie girls will be making in a better world. Aw, that's nice. Aw. Zombie girls, the motion picture, an anthology horror film. So... He goes into each of our stories. We all get one. There's The Haunted House, which is about, which is the wraparound. Matilda has one called Matilda Dentata. Oh. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The next one is about Sarah called Steel Shark, and it has like roller derby sharks in it. Then there is one about Jody that is Technovirus, which is about like, yeah. I can see that, yeah. And then mine is called The Crusher. And it's about, like, killing President Rump. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But then, okay, so he goes into all of these. There's a wraparound story. It's all very elaborate and hilarious. But then we get to the end, and he says, the end, dot, 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 or not. Oh, my God, it's a double feature. What? (laughs) (laughs) The B-movie accompaniment for Zombie Girls, the motion picture is... Stream Queens in Cage Justice <gasps> with a Z. <laughs> yes. All right, here we go. Here is the plot of Cage Justice. Rachel is wrongly locked up for something she can't help. She has telekinesis and a strong will for social justice. So, <laughs> so when something needs doing, she does it. Now she's doing 10 to 20 maximum at a maximum security prison for prisoners with special abilities. Commander Warnov. 
Oh, I'm guessing like Eileen Warnoff. Um, <laughs> delights in torturing the fresh meat when they come in. But before she can start her wicked designs on the lovely Rachel, young Phenom is able to use uh, the confusion that results from the resident rumps losing his chicken nuggets to a super wrestler to <laughs> lift herself out of prison and into the nearby woods. Lost and hungry, poor Rachel almost succumbs to the elements until she feels the strong <gasps> hands take her to safety. She awakens to see the triumphant Mars of the jungle standing over her. Mars, uh. a rebel sommelier from an alien world, is in the wilderness and is a survival heroine who can track animals like a bloodhound. She has the yes. strength of a full-grown rhino and the greatest mind in the jungle. Rachel finds out that she was saved from certain death by Mars' trusty sidekick. A Bigfoot with the face of Haley Joel Osment. Yes! <laughs> I love him! <laughs> and tastefully attired only in giant tennis shoes. <laughs> and brought back to her high-tech cave to be resuscitated with a vino drip. This newfound super team of Rachel Mars and Bigfoot Haley decide to team up and stop the remain of the Commander Warnoff and free the unjustly imprisoned and take uh, and then take a happening road trip together. The end. Oh my god. <laughs> do you like the, the addition of the shoes on Bigfoot for you? Yes, I do appreciate that a whole lot. Because, <laughs> I mean, what's worse than a naked foot? A big naked foot, right? Yeah. Oh god. I don't even like hearing those words. And apparently we've talked about our secret love of Haley Joel Osment. I don't remember, but we must have, yeah, right? Yeah, we do mention it more than I think we probably should. We realize. Yeah. Oh my god. Now I'm just picturing, like, you and me and a Bigfoot with Haley Joel Osment's face, like, in some sort of like 1970s car just like oh yeah driving across the desert like gotta get back to area 51 yes oh my god i want that to happen right i want I, it to be real how do we get like a t-shirt of this made i right if i could draw i would totally draw us with our think, bigfoot Haley joel osman i mean is this not what fiverr was invented for we are looking for a new logo for the show. We are, yeah. <laughs> Doug, <laughs> you may have just chosen the stream. People are not going to know what to think that haven't listened to this. Like when they find the podcast on iTunes and it's just you, me, and Haley Joel Osmond Bigfoot. <laughs> like his his big old tennis shoe feet hanging out the window. Oh my god, <laughs> yes. So Mars, guess what? Doug's letter is actually not the only little bit of listener feedback we got this week. We actually got another one in the form of a recording. Yay! And it's um of the epic variety. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so this voicemail comes from our buddy Justin over at the Here's Johnny cast. Oh, yay! So for those of you who are not listening to the Here's Johnny cast, first of all, get on that shit. That You're missing great. out. Yes. Uh, they just celebrated their 100th. Uh, episode recently and so we sent in a little feedback about you know congratulating them kind of laughing at ourselves because i mean here we are at episode what 40 something i don't <laughs> even know um so he thought he would send us a little feedback to cheer us up and to thank us for leaving us leaving him some feedback so i'm gonna play this here for you now and uh react accordingly Hey, Rachel and Mars. It's Justin here from the Here's Johnny podcast. I just wanted to thank you guys for the lovely message that you left us for our 100th episode. So I figured I would return the favor uh, because you guys have been such great friends to both Larry and I. I would uh, be honored to leave you guys a message for your 100th episode. Uh, so I figured I'd pre-record it. 
today on uh, June 25th oh. at 8 10. What? What is that? What is, oh my god, what is going on here? Who are you? Are you okay? Justin. Uh, yeah, that's me. Who are you? I'm Justin Six from the future. Oh my god, what, what great news do you have for us? I came back to tell you that Rachel and Mars have finally reached their 100th episode. <laughs> oh my god. Six generations from now? What year are you from? can't tell you that. I'm already dying. Oh, so wait, your one goal was to come back here and tell me? Yes. My one goal was to tell you that they finally did it. Okay, well, that was weird. I guess happy 100th episode, Rachel and Mars. Um... Man, this just calls so many things into question. Um, thanks, guys. I gotta go. I mean, figure some stuff out. Happy 100, guys. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, there was some kind of a burn in there somewhere, but I don't even care. That right? <laughs> I feel like very roasty toasty, and yet I'm loving it. <laughs> Oh my god, I was not expecting that. That's right. <laughs> Fucking Justin. Dude. And you know what? It makes it work. He's Canadian. So he's so nice. For So for him to burn us, like, that shit is white hot. <laughs> <laughs> that was so amazing. Oh my god, Justin, thank you so much. Oh my god, he's so funny. I love those guys. So yes, thank you, Justin, for your congratulations well in advance. We'll get there someday. We'll get there someday. I mean, I, it also, maybe it's it's his way of saying that he thinks we'll still be around. <laughs> hey, I like this. I like this theory that we're going to make it to Justin points. Or what is it? Justin six. <laughs> the sixth generation <laughs> of Justin. We're still going to be going strongish. <laughs> you know, our own pace. Maybe we'll be vampires or witches. And that's why we're still a podcasting six generations from now. It. We'll have come out of our like divide bunker. We'll be broadcasting from the divide <laughs> bunker. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Justin. Um and yeah, shots fired. So stay tuned. I'm loving it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So if like Doug and Justin, you want to send us in some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. At Rachel at zombiegirls.com. And if you're and you can find us on the Facebook as well. And you can leave us if you like the show. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. Okay, so next episode. It's my turn. So the thing I really enjoyed about this movie, in addition to like all the stuff I talked about, was that I did feel like it was an accomplishment of something that I had been curious about but not brave enough to watch because I was like, it's too violent, I can't handle it. And so I kind of wanted to pick something that I had been wanting to see but every time I watch the trailer, it freaks me out and I'm like, no, it's too violent, I can't handle it. Okay, so I like where this is going. <laughs> so... I, hopefully you haven't already seen this, but I'm going to test myself and make you okay. go along with me on the journey. Dope. I dope. Was, I'm down. Have you seen the movie Apostle? No. Okay. 
Well, then it's on Netflix. It's a movie called Apostle. I've heard it described as being like the Wicker Man a little bit, but the trailer looks gruesome as fuck. <laughs> so I think we're going to give that a shot. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yes. Okay. So we'll be back in two weeks with Apostle. Everybody watch it. And we'll talk about it because we're going to spoil the shit out of it on the next oh my episode. God. I, I pulled it up on Netflix and it's just showing that like, you know, I guess it's the trailer. You know, when you pick a movie and it shows uh-huh. you like, and it, uh, there's masks and rituals and yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's something with a brain core that's in the trailer. Oh, yep. And then there's like a meat grinder looking thing. See, you yeah, see why they're... these are the kinds of, I'm a wimp, like, but maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not actually a wimp. Maybe I'm tougher oh, than I think. Oh, for sure is a brain core. Does this look like your jam? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I've been wanting to see it for a long time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to force fears. myself. <laughs> oh, there's a, I mean, it's probably not a dude in the walls, but there's a, there's a shot of the eye looking through the knot hole mm-hmm. in the fence. And like, oh, it looks like a dude in the walls. Oh, there's a body stretcher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Apostle, next time we're doing it. So Marzi, will you take us out? Thanks for coming back. Watch Apostle. I'm sorry for the divide and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. I still liked it. I know I'm sick, but I liked it. I just almost ate too much. Or did eat too much and almost regret it, super regretted it. Yeah. It's like, it's very fresh in my mind right now. That's why I'm like, what, has anything else happened to me other than today when I almost ate too much? See, I had a very, we both in- ingested something very troubling today. You did that. I watched the divine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. What do you say when we get started? Yeah. You into it? Yep. Let's do it. Okay. Um, let me get my notes open. I don't have a, I, I was so bad. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to set aside an hour to write notes. And then I started watching Mrs. Maisel and then I didn't write any notes. So. That's okay. I told myself I was going to at least look up this movie online so I could go back over the, the plot progression one more time. Cause I tried to do that. Uh huh. I didn't. I okay, ended up. Good. Eating well, it. too many chicken nuggets, two hot dogs, and a salad, and then lying down and being like, oh, please don't. Dude, no wonder <laughs> The original version of that story just had you, I, had a, I ate, and then I had a little salad. <laughs> no, it was chicken nuggets, two hot dogs, and a salad. No wonder you want to die. And then I was sitting there eating this little packet of fruit snacks and being like, this is the, this is, this is the mistake. This is this is the end. It this was like, is how was, I go. It was already feeling bad, and I was like, I already opened them. <laughs> you, you committed to the fruit snacks? Yep. I'm not into a gusher. I don't care for a gusher. I do, but something about when they are injecting the goo, when the whatever machine <laughs> pulls away, it leaves a trail sometimes, and so and that hardens, and so like half of these gummies have what look like little rat tails sticking out of them and it's real unappetizing so i'm gonna put that in the, in the ex- <laughs> outtakes that's what we're looking for without any context <laughs> <laughs> i'm cutting off all the other stuff we're going straight to the goo trails yeah and this is uh one of the first well i mean we already get we already skipped over the scene where 
Sam is drinking with Bo- Josh and I just call- tried to call them Bosch and Jobby. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a totally different kind of movie. That sounds like a cop buddy movie that I would watch. Like Harry Potter and the Adventures of Bosch and Jobby. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's like a cop buddy movie, but with house elves. Yeah. Got it. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's two house elves that were gifted police badges. Yeah. So now they're like both it. free and lawmen. <laughs> Hey, there's got to be some crime in the house house elf world. Oh my world. god, you could start like a whole children's series on that like. I mean, like after they elves. unionized, like maybe there's some sort of like organized crime that is like taken over like Jimmy Hoffa style and Santa Santa Claus workshop or like yeah. sweat sweatshops. Yes, exactly. And only Bosch and Jobby are have the skills and know how to get in there and solve the crime. 